Welcome to the Manor. Welcome to the Twin Terrors, macabre manor of mead, metal, and mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. In this episode, we are going to talk about one of our favorite horror slash comedy films. Uh, <laughs> 1986's Trick or Treat. Not Trick or Treat, which is the, the new film that's been out that I've not actually watched. This one, I like it. I've heard good things about it. Uh, we'll check it out at some point, just haven't done so. But uh, Trick or Treat, like I said, Trick or Treat, <laughs> like I said. <laughs> Easy uh, for you to say. Uh, apparently not. Is a it's a horror comedy released October twenty fourth, nineteen eighty six. I'm not sure what the budget was on it. Couldn't find anything on that, but it had an opening weekend of uh, just under three thousand three million dollars, and had a final run of a uh, final box office of just under seven thousand. Or <laughs> where am I getting the thousand from? Seven million. <laughs> it's got uh, it's got some decent numbers. Uh, it's got a uh, Rotten Tomatoes critic score of seventy one percent and a, a fan score of sixty two. Not great but not bad bad. Um, like i said you know this is this is one of my uh one of our definitely one of mine because i've got it on dvd favorite horror comedy kind of movies now we we were talking a little bit before we started recording james you said the last time you saw it was probably high school yeah high school late high school maybe early college but pretty sure late high school i didn't um strangely enough didn't have it on vhs after it came out although i know our friend greg had it because i know he and i watched it a couple of times I didn't get it on home video until I found it on DVD, but I saw it a bunch when it came out originally in 1986. The synopsis is basically Eddie Weinbauer, who also goes by Ragman, played by Mark Price. He is the lone metalhead at Lake Ridge High School. Upon learning that his idol, Sammy Kerr, played by Tony Fields, has died in a hotel fire, Eddie goes to visit his friend, radio DJ Nuke, played by Gene Simmons who gives Eddie the original acetate disc. Acetate kind of looks like a vinyl LP, usually used in the manufacturing process. It's also a quick way to get a recording out to radio or to press to music magazines or reviewers or whatever. It was the only copy of Sammy Kerr's final album called Songs in the Key of Death. (laughs) (laughs) Eddie uses the recording to summon Sammy's spirit which helps him get revenge on the preppy kids who bully him. But when Sammy tries to escalate things and kill people, getting revenge on the people who had treated Sammy badly when he went to school at Lake Ridge, Eddie has to try and stop him. Like I said, Eddie Ragman Weinbauer was played by Mark Price, played Erwin Skippy Handelman on the sitcom Family Ties. <laughs> kind, of the, kind of the nerdy next-door neighbor had a crush on Justine Mallory. Bateman. Yeah, right? Mallory, Justine Bateman's character, yeah. Sammy Kerr, the heavy metal star, was played by Tony Fields. Fields had been a uh, solid gold dancer. For those of you who don't know what solid gold was, it was a TV show. And basically they would kind of show music videos or they'd have people come out and perform. And they had always had dancers on stage, you know, usually the same troupe of dancers or whatever. Other characters, Leslie Graham was played by Lisa Orgolini. Tim Haney, leader of the preppy kids that were always picking on uh, on Eddie, he was played by Doug Savant. He had quite a decent career. He was on Melrose Place and Desperate Housewives. Glenn Morgan played the uh, character Roger Marcus, who was Eddie's friend. He is actually best known as a producer for the X-Files, Millennium, Final Destination movies, and was also a writer and director on some of these as well. Nuke, as I mentioned, was played by Gene Simmons. 
I guess Gene kind of based the character on uh, Wolfman Jack. For those of you who don't know who Wolfman Jack is, very famous DJ from 50s and he would howl and have this gravelly voice. And evidently when he got older, it screwed up his vocal cords so bad he, he can hardly do it anymore. Actually, is he, is he still around? No, he died. He, he okay. died. I, just, uh, so. I don't remember when. <laughs> um, yeah. if, if I remember right, was, uh, was he not in uh, American Graffiti? Because I think he did. He was the DJ in American Graffiti. As they would cruise around, they'd be listening to the radio. That would He was the DJ on the radio. Yes. Yeah, so if you've seen American Graffiti, and and there is another American Graffiti connection I'll get to in just a minute. For those who don't know, American Graffiti is a, if you've ever seen Happy Days, the TV show, it's a movie that's very similar because it's based in the 50s with the car hops and the soda jerks and the muscle cars and the drag racing and directed by George Lucas, Yep, uh, Star Wars fame. Uh, Ron Howard's actually in it for a little Happy Days crossover. Yeah. And my favorite character is the cowboy, which is Harrison Ford. Yep. Who gives a ride to a young McKenzie Phillips. Phillips. Yeah. Who may or may not know. But <laughs> uh, well, she was in uh, One Day at a Time with Valerie Bertinelli, Eddie Van Halen's ex-wife. And she is the daughter of uh, one of the guys from The Mamas and the Papas. Ozzy Osbourne's in the movie. So Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne are both in the movie. Ozzy actually plays the Reverend Aaron Gilstrom. <laughs> could not have had a better role for ozzy <laughs> yeah briefly i'm gonna talk a little bit about, here about ozzy and, and gene being in the movie the only dvd home video release this has had since the original vhs release in 86 or 87 the cover art is not the original movie poster cover art it's a really stupid picture of a house in the background that's burning and then they've got this picture of gene simmons and this picture of ozzy osbourne that they've you know worked into it neither of which are in character for the movie. They are the ones that are billed on the DVD box. Gene and Ozzy collectively in the movie are probably only in it for about five minutes. I I mean, uh, Gene's got one scene and and then you hear his voice a little bit later on. And then Ozzy's got a couple of scenes, but they don't last very long. And then there is an end credit scene with Ozzy. But I, and like I said, maybe five minutes, but that's what they try to use to push the DVD now. And it's like, that pisses me off. <laughs> the original poster is way cooler too. Oh yeah, yeah. Cause it's Sammy Kerr and uh, a jack-o'-lantern. He's like coming out of the jack-o'-lantern and uh, all sorts of fire and stuff. You know, it's, it's yeah. There was a attempt to do a, a, like a 20th anniversary in 2006. I don't know, something something about the rights. They couldn't get all the rights for something, and it, it got shut down, which is disappointing because it's a great movie. <laughs> it, oh, I would say it is good. <laughs> From what I remember, it is. <laughs> yeah, buddy and I rented it, and we watched it, and it was just hard for me to find. I never really went out to look for it. So yeah. I didn't buy a lot of you know, I saved my money more for musical stuff. Yeah. So I, I just never found it, never really looked for it. And then later, I was thinking, uh, like 10 years later, 15 years later, I'm like, oh, that's a good movie. It's hard. It was hard to find. Oh, and yeah. Now, it'd be because I could probably stream it through. I know it's not on Netflix, but uh, Hulu or Amazon, or I could probably buy it for a few dollars. Alice Nunn played Mrs. Sylvia Cavell, who's a, uh, a moral crusader, but not a, well, I won't say not religious, but she's not 
I, she's, I think she was the head of the PTA at Lake Ridge High School or something in the movie, uh, something like that. But Alice Nunn, a lot of people probably would remember her as Large Marge from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the truck driver that he gets a ride from and then turns out she was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. Yeah, you know, I've yeah. never seen any of the Pee Wee movies. Really? Mm, nope. I've seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure and that's about it. I mean, you know, if that's what you like. I, I heard they're actually pretty good for a, a Pee-wee movie, but I never had any interest. All right, to round out the cast, Angie Weinbauer, Eddie Weinbauer's mother, was played by Elaine Joyce. And if you're into horror movies, especially B-grade horror movies, she was in 1980's Motel Hell. <laughs> you, you, may, you may have seen her in that. Director was uh, Charles Martin Smith, who also had a role in the movie as Mr. Wembley. He was in American Graffiti. As I mentioned, there would be another connection there. He played Terry the Toad. He was also the director of the movie Air Bud. The writers, Rhett Topham, known for 976 Evil, which came out in 1988. Michael S. Murphy was a producer, I believe, on uh, District 9. The latest uh, attempt to adapt the Judge Dredd comics in 2012. He was a, a producer on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. James Wong, uh, who was also a producer on the X-Files and the Final Destination movie, he was also another writer. Since the movie deals a lot with heavy metal, the uh, soundtrack was largely by the band Fastway. There were a few other songs played in the background, including two by a band called Only Child. Most notably, there's a song by them that you kind of hear in the background. It's in the scene where Eddie goes to visit Nuke at the radio station, and Nuke gives him the acetate. It's called Scream Until You Like It. And there's a little bit of a story with that, with another connection that, that I'll get to later. But Fastway was formed in 1983 by Fast Eddie Clark, ex-Motorhead, and Pete Way, ex-UFO. No way. Pete Way. Way. <laughs> uh, and, and rounded out with Jerry Shirley on drums, formerly of Humble Pie, and Dave King on vocals, who some of you may know is the current lead singer of the band Flogging Molly, Celtic Punk. Good band. Yeah. Fastway started off as a bluesy hard rock and metal outfit. They had kind of drifted more towards uh, more mainstream sound around the time they were approached to do the soundtrack. They did return to kind of a harder sound when they did the soundtrack. And it had seven new songs and two songs from a couple of prior albums. Some of the themes in the movie, alienation. Eddie is the only metalhead in the school. He fails to fit in, obviously causing conflict with the uh, preppy popular kids like character Tim Haney. You know, they, they tend to bully Eddie, uh, which in turn leads Eddie to be initially willing to participate in Sammy's plan for revenge. There's a little bit of an unrequited love. They, they established pretty early that Eddie's got a crush on one of the popular kids, uh, Leslie. I think she kind of realizes early on that they're starting to take it a little too far in, in bullying him. So she actually is the one that reaches out to him kind of at first as a friend, but obviously by the end of the movie, they are romantically uh, involved. The movie does kind of deal a little bit with the uh, subject of suicide. It touches on it briefly at the beginning of the film, as Eddie is writing a fan letter to Sammy, uh, right before he learns of Sammy's death, he is admitting to Sammy that he has had suicidal thoughts. But the thing that stops him is Sammy, not just his music, but Sammy overcame the same things that Eddie has, deal, has, has to deal with. And uh, he became a, a star as a heavy metal musician. I thought that was really interesting because there's been a, there have been a lot of studies done lately that metal can actually help listeners cope 
with depression and suicidal thoughts. And I just, I just thought that, you know, here it was some 30 years before some of these studies were coming out. And you've got a character in this movie who's, he, he's already saying this, you know, the music and, and seeing his idol get through this inspires him to deal with these things and, uh, you know, kind of come through it. It also deals with revenge, obviously. Eddie wants revenge, but not he's not really trying to hurt anybody, you know, with, with getting revenge. He just wants to make things even and, and get them to leave him alone. Sammy, on the other hand, <laughs> he's planned his own revenge on the school and the people who uh, he felt wronged him to the point that he kills himself, again, the, the suicide thing, to become immortal or a, a vengeful spirit so that he can, you know, attempt to destroy everybody. Also deals with some some with uh, class conflict, obviously between Eddie. He's he's an only child of a single you know single mother, working class household, and then you you've got the rich preppy kids who are always you know bullying him and whatnot. What's not? What's not? What's Wait, not? No. Yeah. <laughs> Censorship. Part of Sammy's reason for revenge is that he wanted to hold a concert at Lake Ridge on Halloween but it was shut down over the controversial nature of his music and stage show. Ozzy Osbourne's character, Reverend Aaron Gilstrom, and Alice Nunn's character, Sylvia Cavell, represent two factions from the 80s that spoke out against rock and especially metal, uh, the religious right and parents groups, uh, in this case, particularly the uh, PTA. And actually, you know, like I said, the character of Sylvia Cavell was uh, the head of the PTA, and she was one of the key people that got Sammy's concert canceled. Both characters wind up being killed by Sammy. Reverend Gilstrom suffers a brain hemorrhage after Sammy runs his fingernails across the TV screen while Gilstrom is on the screen. I always loved that. That's the best scene. Yeah, well, I'm, well, it's a great scene. It's not my favorite scene, but it's a great scene. <laughs> no, what's the best scene, damn it? <laughs> Mrs. Cavell, he kills, he literally reaches into the TV screen and pulls her through, uh, leaving her as a large chunk of charcoal. The movie comes out a little over a year. I'm trying to remember. It was summer of 1985 when they had the congressional hearings, PMRC, Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife. Uh, Of course, he was a senator at the time. They had just, you know, like I said, about a year or so earlier, they'd had the, the Senate hearings. Dee Snyder had showed up and gave a very, very eloquent statement, unlike me at the moment. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing because you see this dude come in with tight blue jeans and what do you have, like a, a blue jean jacket or a vest. A vest. And, and his frizzy ass hair and everything. And, and he Some pulls glasses. out this ratty piece of paper folded over a hundred times. He starts unfolding it. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to think, oh, this dude is such a moron. But no, it's so eloquent, <laughs> well thought out, logical. Yeah. And cut them off guard. And yeah, it was amazing. It's well yeah. worth the, uh, I don't know how long the actual full speeches he gives, but it's, it's several minutes and it's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some footage of Sammy Kerr doing something similar in the movie. Although he starts off, you know, kind of like D was. And then at the end of it, he's kind of spouting off some revenge. So uh, not quite the same level as what D Snyder did. <laughs> uh, um, one of my favorite bits too is, is somehow you have D Snyder, Frank Zappa 
and John Denver yeah. all working together. And so I'm like, John Denver, really? Yeah, that's what they, all, the, all the senators thought John Denver was going to be on their side. <laughs> nope. Yeah. <laughs> so spe- uh, speaking of the PMRC, just yes. to add a little bit in here. Yeah. My favorite Warrant song of all time, Ode to Tipper Gore. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'll let listeners Google that one. <laughs> <laughs> And the last theme, or at least the one that I made a note of, is uh, the supernatural or the occult. Obviously, it's a horror movie. Sammy has uh, done this occult ritual, killed himself in the process intentionally, or sacrifices himself to gain the power to get revenge. He's actually summoned by playing the record, Songs in the Key of Death. Which are, by the way, in uh, the key of D minor, because that is the saddest of all keys. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going into spinal tap mode. <laughs> All right. Just, just keep going then. You better yeah. hurry up before I do. Yeah. And once summoned, Sammy can travel through electrical wires to anywhere where the record can be heard. Since he couldn't perform the Halloween dance, he wanted Nuke to play his record at midnight on Halloween, knowing, of course, that it would summon him and he would be able to wreak havoc on the town. Did any, uh, See, as you talk, more memories of it come back. Didn't he yeah. do it by actually doing it, playing it backwards? Yeah, well, um, yes, yeah. And and that's something I'm not really sure in the movie. I guess it has to kind of be played backwards for him to come out uh, initially because that's that's kind of what Eddie does at first. He, he plays the song backwards on his turntable, which, of course, really would have screwed up the turntable if it, you know, really... Yeah, backward yeah. masking is another whole episode. Yeah. <sighs> but that that was the thing at the... near the end of the movie when the reel-to-reel tape that Nuke had made of the record starts playing. Nuke says... Because um, the whole... The, the Nuke's whole thing at this point was pre-recorded. He had said, you know, we're going to do this one right and, you know, we're going to play the first track backwards. In both cases, that's kind of what happened. I think once Sammy was summoned, he was kind of out there. I just remember having a conversation with uh, my, my friend Rich, who, was, who I watched it with, yeah. about backward masking. There is a scene that I've always loved where uh, the character Tim Haney, the main preppy kid, uh, goes to Eddie's house to confront him about something and basically tell Eddie to stay away from him at this point because he's really spooked and Eddie's standing on his front porch Tim's kind of in the yard and Tim moves towards him kind of threateningly and Eddie puts his hand up and of course this movie takes place around Halloween and there's a jack-o'-lantern on either side of the stairs and when Tim or when Eddie puts his hand up to kind of warn Tim off a little bit the jack-o'-lanterns the flames just kind of leap up out (laughs) not real high but they get higher I mean they actually come out of the top of the jack-o'-lanterns so you know what bothered me What's that? He plays it on Halloween night, right? Yeah. And all this takes place with all the, the DJ and the minister and the, uh, almost the PMRC, the PTA. Yeah. And the threatening and everything else. So if the jack-o'-lanterns are still out, but he played it at midnight on Halloween, does this all take place in like four hours? No, 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 no. The movie starts like a week before Halloween. So a lot of this stuff takes place over the week. The, but he plays the record on Halloween night, right? I, Nuke did, yeah. Nuke had it on a reel-to-reel tape at the radio station, and it, it was set to automatically start playing at midnight. Eddie had the acetate, and he had listened to it, and he had made two copies of it on cassette tape. 
one for himself and one for Tim as a peace offering, even though I don't, you know, it's not something Tim was going to listen to. Uh, uh, I thought, I thought he played it um, on Halloween night. Gotcha. No, no. Uh, now when Sammy does come out at the school, it's because Eddie's friend, Roger, after having stupidly not done what Eddie told him to do and destroy the tape that he had given to Tim, <laughs> Roger winds up summoning Eddie or uh, Sammy who tells him to play his tape at the dance at midnight. So that's how, that's how Sammy comes out at the school because Roger did that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Yes. Eddie has a, uh, I, well, they show some of Eddie's collection. He's his uh, clothes, obviously what he's wearing. Uh, typical eighties metalhead stuff. I didn't remember him actually having any band shirts, but when I watched it last night, yeah, he actually is wearing an anthrax shirt at a couple of points in the movie. So I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, he had the ripped jeans and, you know, tennis shoes, lots of t-shirts with skulls and bats. I've I've always loved those shirts and wish I could find, uh, you know, I wish I could have found them 30 years ago. I always (laughs) thought they were really cool shirts. A few times he's wearing military style pants and a military jacket some metalheads did that. I know some of the bands would wear stuff like that on stage uh, back in the 80s. Obviously, posters all over the walls, uh, at least early until he hears about Sammy's death, and then he goes kind of nuts and tears all the posters down until he gets to the last poster, which is his poster of Sammy, and then he just kind of, he doesn't tear it down. He just kind of collapses in exhaustion. I personally yes, was... Because you, you spend all that energy, and suddenly you don't have the three calories to tear down the <laughs> I, I, I just can't go on anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, Sammy was his idol and all that. But I, I personally, I was always horrified that he, he destroyed all those posters. I was like, no, because <laughs> some of them were kind of, you know, classic posters. His record collection, you never really see him go through it, but his mom comes into his room one time to put his laundry in there and she, she she starts looking around and she picks up a stack of his records and starts flipping through them and and he had some pretty good stuff in there he's got uh some megadeth impaler um exciter and uh seven churches by possessed which it's 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 sitting in the background it's not one that she picked up but as when they showed her flipping through i I looked and i went i see a upside down white cross and red lettering (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I bet that's seven seven churches. So I I pulled it up on my phone, got it on there, was listening to the MP3s, and I was like, "Yep, yep, that was it. That's a ass cover art." So uh, uh, unfortunately, you never hear any of that music in the in the movie. Uh, like I said, outside of some background stuff, uh, most of the songs are by Fastway. Now it actually does have a film score, which was done by Christopher Young. Christopher Young, um, he's done a lot of horror movies. The first thing where I actually was cognizant of his name, he did the soundtrack to the first Ghost Rider movie with Nicolas Cage. In addition to doing the score for Trick or Treat and Ghost Rider, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, the first two Hellraiser movies. He's also done Urban Legend, The Grudge, Spider-Man 3, and Drag Me to Hell, a couple of movies by Sam Raimi. So the character Sammy Kerr, He's a sort of a combination of Alice Cooper, D. Snyder, Ozzy Osbourne, Shout at the Devil era, Nikki Six, and Blackie Lawless from the band Wasp. According to Internet Movie Database, the role was apparently offered to Gene Simmons, 
who opted not to play Sammy Kerr. He chose to play Nuke instead. And later it was offered to Blackie Lawless from Wasp. Again, according to IMDb, Blackie decided not to do it when he was informed that Fastway was doing the music and he would just be lip syncing. Obviously, Blackie has a band with Wasp, could do the music himself, and, you know, said, well, screw this. If I'm not going to be doing, you know, my own stuff, then why would I lip sync somebody else's stuff? So he wound up turning it down. That's what led to them casting Tony Fields. So the character of Eddie Weinbauer, obviously he's a metalhead. He's misunderstood and an outcast. Mostly just wants to be left alone and to uh, do what he wants to do and be who he is. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, exactly. He's obviously bullied by the uh, popular kids. Obviously, and, and not heroic at first. And in fact, is partially responsible for unleashing Sammy. Not entirely responsible because, you know, Nuke was still going to play the tape at midnight anyway. Well, uh, how, how would you know? <laughs> Gee, if exactly. I do, if yeah. I do this backwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when he, when, when he realizes that, you know, Sammy's offering him this way to get revenge, you know, at, at first he's, he's all for it, you know. But he obviously, he comes around at the end and saves the day. Strangely enough, not a musician in the movie. You know, a lot of lot of metal fans tend to at least know how to play an instrument. At least smoke on the water. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is why when you go into a guitar store, a lot of times they have a sign on the wall that says, no smoke on the water, no stairway to heaven. <laughs> you can all eat a dick. If I'm buying the guitar, I want to see how this song sounds. <laughs> And uh, Mark Price, uh, who, you know, I mentioned had played Eddie in the movie, he was not a metalhead before they started filming. But while they were filming, I do remember reading an interview with him in a magazine. While they were filming, he said that he got into Judas Priest. I don't know how much of a metalhead he became after that, but he at least got into it some. Yeah, good taste. Yeah. Good job, that man. I thought so. Oh, uh, speaking of Judas Priest, I don't know, kind of one of my favorite scenes, but a funny scene in the movie well, like, you know, I, I was mentioned earlier when uh, Roger goes to the dance and is going to put Sammy's tape in the tape player. Leslie was there. Eddie was not there. Eddie had been grounded because he had trashed his stereo trying to fight back Sammy. Anyway, so Leslie walks up to Roger while he's standing next to the cassette player before he puts the tape into it. Roger's already, he's, he's, he's scared of Sammy, which is why he's going to do it, but he's kind of feeling guilty because he, you know, he told Eddie he was going to destroy the tape and then he didn't do it so he's kind of betrayed eddie and leslie walks up and uh, the first word out of her mouth is judas and (laughs) and rogers he jumps he's like what (laughs) and she's like are you gonna play some judas priest (laughs) Um, yeah Uh, for those who don't read the the christian bible (laughs) judas was the one who gave Jesus over to the Romans for 30 pieces of silver where they then crucified Jesus. Yes. And, and so when you're called Judas, you're a betrayer. It's along the same lines of Benedict Arnold. Yes. You know, my favorite scene in the movie, I, we know James's is the Aussie scene. Where, <laughs> uh, so mine was the, the song Get Tough from the soundtrack. It's where they, they played it. It's Eddie gets his revenge is what I call the scene. It's the chase through the school when Eddie has set a trap for uh, Tim and his buddies. 
basically he's kind of set some stuff out through the hallway and he goes in and he confronts Tim and in the lunchroom and grabs his lunch tray and flips it up into Tim's chest. So the food goes all over Tim and then Eddie takes off running and they chase him and hilarity ensues. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to give it away because I want people to, if they can track it down, I, I, I want the listeners to, to watch the movie. So I don't want to give everything away in the movie. I don't want to tell you what happens in this chase scene. It's, you know, but it's pretty funny. And it was my favorite scene in the movie. Uh, it is jocular. It is. You know, and I mentioned Blackie Lawless, and I mentioned the song uh, Scream Until You Like It by Only Child. Uh, there is a connection with Wasp in that song. Not only was Blackie considered for the role of Sammy Kerr, and, the, and that song being used in Trick or Treat, a, about a year later, Wasp would release their own cover of Scream Until You Like It. In 1987, they put out a live album called Live in the Raw, and as and to, I guess, fill up space on it. I don't really want to call it a filler song. They put a, a cover version of Scream Until You Like It. The, the, well, Wasp's version was also used in a movie soundtrack. It was the uh, theme song to the horror movie Ghoulies 2, which came out about that time. I don't know. That may be all I've got on this. <laughs> <laughs> to get an idea of time frame of this, so it came out in 86, right? Yeah, 86, October 24th. So it came out a week before Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, this is the same time as the Satanic Panic, so yep. it has pieces of that. Like Jody said, same time as the PMRC hearings in the Senate and censorship. So same time as that. So everything in the movie, if you want to get an idea of what the actual culture, ah, cultural, yeah, <laughs> what was at the time, it's actually a decent movie to to watch, and it gives you a good it, idea. Of what's it happening. is, yeah, it is, and that, that's why I love it. And 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 you know, like I said, I saw it, I saw it several times in the theater. And this was when I was in Germany. So I had, uh, you know, I had a lot of chances to see it because it played for a while at uh, the theater on post. And it was, it was one of the first horror movies, although, you know, like I said, it's a horror comedy, but it was one of the first horror movies I watched. Now it, it's horror. Yes, but it's not, I, I mean, the level of, it's not gory and it's not really, you know, a psychological kind of horror. I, I mean, it's not really, it's not scary. <laughs> it's, it's not. I mean, I'll just I'll just flat out say it. It's not scary. So if you're looking for something that's going to scare you, uh, this ain't the movie. But you know, if you're if you're into metal, um, if you didn't live through that time in, in metal, um, and and you kind of want to get an idea, like James said, this is this this is a pretty good representation of it. You know, it, it was the time I was starting to get into metal. I've been into it, you know, most of that year. I was starting to get kind of into horror movies. I had kind of gotten into some of the zombie stuff and some other stuff and, you know, realized I could watch Nightmare on Elm Street without turning <laughs> all the lights on at night, you know. It's still a good movie. I, I like it. I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> there's some technical things like you see the boom mic lower into frame when one shot. And, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, the acting's pretty decent and, and the music is good. I like Fastway. I think Fastway was a great band, especially the first couple albums. Uh, the Trick or Treat soundtrack was really good because it got – back more towards what the first couple of albums were. Now, I was going to throw this in here. I'm going to talk about another movie here. I've not watched this other movie more than once. I, I, I watched it on Netflix. Deathgasm. If you have seen the movie Deathgasm, <laughs> Deathgasm is a more well done. <laughs> it's, it's a better, it's not a remake, but it's, the, it's almost the exact same movie. 
I, I mean, you've got the metalhead in conflict with the preppies. He summons something. <laughs> <laughs> winds up becoming romantically involved with one of the girls that was preppy. Yeah, there's there's a lot of similarities between the two movies. Trick or Treat did it first. Deathgasm does it better, but I love both movies. <laughs> I actually have to disagree on that. I did not care for Deathgasm all that much. Really? Yeah, I, I, I don't know why. They're just, yeah, I don't know. Just, I, I, it's probably age. When I'm could a teenager be. and I'm watching something cheesily cool, it's yeah, awesome. When you're in your 40s and you watch something cheesily <laughs> cool, it's just kind of cheesy. I've seen it a thousand times, and you know, so yeah, Deathgasm for a, a teen or somebody in their 20s, fantastic. <laughs> and you know, if you still like it when you're in your 40s, more power to you. I just, well, I you know, and I I could see that. You know, I'm just I I do think it was better done. Well, but I I mean, but Pee Wee's Big Adventure <laughs> was better done. <laughs> it's not like Gene Simmons or Ozzy Osbourne are going to win any awards <laughs> no. for their acting ability. No. And I think this was the only movie Ozzy acted in. And it was just, it was so funny because he was the preacher speaking out against rock music, you know. You know, who's might as well have him as many oh, people yeah. spoke out against him. He knew exactly what <laughs> Yeah. You know, and that, that's, that, that's one of the things that I love about the movie, you know, is, is, is stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, check it out if you get a chance. Check out Deathgasm if you get a chance. Um, and, and let us know which one of us you agree with more. <laughs> Although, I, like I said, I, I do see your point on that, you know. It's, uh, well, you know, as I've aged, I've matured. <clears throat> well, that's, that's, that's technically true. <laughs> if that gives you any insight about what kind of a kid I was like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you have some. <laughs> I, I blame my child. <laughs> uh, that, I was, I was going to say, I think that's probably the reason. <laughs> About the only. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so that's our episode on Trick or Treat. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, hope you uh, check out the movie. I'm Jody. I'm James. And we'll see you later. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. I wouldn't think, so I don't Yeah, you, know. you, you wouldn't. But, you know, like my dad said. <laughs> you'd, you'd be wrong. <laughs> That's what you get for thinking. <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 la. Wee. Uh, uh, you have to do it. Um, yeah, that was that. And I'm, I'm going to pause here. My cat is going insane over here. And now that I'm talking about him, he stopped and he's just kind of like, I'm not doing nothing. What are you talking Screw about? Me. <laughs> um, of course you do. Well, I do. <laughs> Score. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna score. Damn it. <laughs> Shut up, Beavis. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> of so, uh, um, oh, Lionel Richie, that's who else he did, he was in a music video for. That, that was it. <laughs>
Yeah, what? that was in my notes. A squirrel. Yeah. Did he dance on the ceiling? Uh, not in this movie. That's all right. Still a good connection. Trick or treat, Lionel Richie. Three. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Isn't, isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. So that technically means Nicole Richie is just one step removed from that, which means Paris Hilton falls within the seven degrees of trick or treat. <laughs>